Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. This episode of the AR-15 Podcast brought to you by Otis Technology, the official lubricant and cleaning sponsor of the AR-15 Podcast. Check out their new line of cleaners and products, solvents, all to take care of your favorite black rifle. Check them out at otistechnology.com. Welcome to yet another episode of the AR-15 Podcast. Uh, I think we uh, promised a little feedback from our listeners, and so on this episode, J.D. and I will be talking about what four firearms you, the listeners, told us you would want for the apocalypse. But before we get started, J.D., I think we have some uh, brass to police. Yeah, thank you for everyone going over to Patreon or on PayPal to support the show. 100% of your donations are invested back into the show, uh, never into our pockets. They bring content production value to the podcast. And in fact, just replaced uh, Reed's board that is starting to die. So uh, we are looking at uh, upgrading that board a little bit and also uh, being able to take some phone interviews from some of your favorite companies in the firearms industry. So we had to make a purchase today, and that was done because of your generosity. You can support us at Patreon. You can go to ar-15podcast.com, click check out the donate button. There's a way to donate through PayPal and through Patreon. Jason, Jason, Tom, and uh, Stephen, thank you for your donations and a bunch of other people at that level where you just want to say, hey, I want to help out. Don't need any recognition or anything, but we recognize you. We see you guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and supporting what we're doing here at the AR-15 Podcast. Again, you can check it out, ar-15podcast.com. You can also go there and sign up for the new Frontier Armory C5 giveaway, that AR pistol. It is up. It's live. It's active. I wrestled with Google for about two weeks and finally uh, got it all working so check that out there, too. It's under the contest page. Uh, please, one entry per person. I will delete you if you put uh, a multiple entry in. If you put, like, 50 or 60, I may just delete all of them. Uh, we're just trying to give everybody a fair shake uh, at winning that AR pistol. We will run that until the end of October. Uh, go over there and sign up now. It's ar-15podcast.com. That's ar-15podcast.com. All right. Well, I think it's time to... Uh discuss what we've been doing this last week but before we get there we have what's that a new sponsor awesome tell us about it so uh, we want to thank alex over at ammo.com for uh, believing in and investing in the ar-15 podcast so if you want to buy ammo i'm going to suggest you check out ammo.com forward slash ar-15 podcast that way you can save twenty dollars on your next order of two hundred dollars or more when you use the ar-15 podcast exclusive link that's ammo.com forward slash ar-15 podcast for all your bulk ammo needs and check them out and i want to say thank you to alex again for sponsoring and supporting the ar-15 podcast that link again it's ammo.com forward slash AR15 podcast. You can also check out the link in the show notes. Save $20 on your next $200 or more order at ammo.com. Reed, what have you been up to? You know, I had my uh, deadline for uh, September come and go and got all my returns uh, filed. So that gave me a little bit of breathing room. And uh, since, uh, since that, uh, Day, I've been reconfiguring a few of my rifles. You know, uh, it, it I think is the case that most anybody that 
fiddles with these rifles the way that that uh, that I do and the way that we talk about uh, probably ends up with uh, crates and crates full of spare parts. And so I've been going through the crates and reevaluating some of the parts that I have taken off of some builds and not put on others. And I'm I'm getting excited about reconfiguring some of these rifles. So that's that's what I've been up to. Nice. Um, I haven't been up to much. Uh, linking up with the new sponsor and getting all that worked out, all the paperwork that needed to be done. Um, talking to Reed. Um, we had kind of a staff meeting this morning. There were no donuts or anything provided, but uh, I did start putting. I had donuts. Five lower. You had donuts. Yeah. You didn't know that they were on the counter. I didn't. I didn't see them there. Well, that's, that's probably because long. you're in another state. <laughs> that's a long walk to get them. Um, Hat tip to Cap. He picked up that uh, Creedmoor upper I had. Just uh, can't uh, can't build it out right now. Some other things got to take some priority. So thanks to uh, Cap for picking that up for me. Um, and then I built out an M5 lower that uh, I'm gonna put a Uinta uh, bolt action 308 upper on. And uh, hopefully, if I hustle, I'll get it done tonight or tomorrow and uh, take it out and shoot it this weekend. And we can talk about it in next week's episode. Uh, on the podcast, so that's pretty much what I've been doing and discussing selling a gun to read, which has made me kind of sad. <sighs> well, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out when you talked about our our new mixing board and uh, uh, we we've got the tools necessary to talk with someone. We believe talk with someone on a phone call, which. Uh, is particularly relevant since JD has been able to secure, um, a, an interview with, uh, Palmetto State Armory. And I know that yes. we've been trying to get them on, but, you know, as, as we've always known, some of, uh, the, the companies, some of the individuals that we speak to, you know, they want to, they want to talk to us during business hours on the phone. And, and to date, that's been rather difficult to do. But um, now I think we're going to be all set up. So you've you've also secured one of the um, unicorns of interviews. Unicorns. Yeah. So that's a good <laughs> yeah. deal. We still can't get the guys over there Pretty. from – where is it? Alexander Arms? Oh, my. They're going to move to the top spot. I mean – I think I so. I, after, after Palmetto, I may just retire the top spot and be like – we got Noveski, we got Sig, HK's coming along. We, we, we got the big guys. You know, to the point now, it's where, like, I think Matt's his name. And Matt writes all the time about talking to Alexander Arms. And, dude, I have tried. Every industry show we're at, I go up and talk to him. I get FaceTime with him. I email him nonstop. I call. It is just, they're, honestly, I don't think they're interested. And um, that's okay. You know, there are people that weren't interested in, you know, CDs when they had tapes. They weren't interested in MP3s and iTunes when they had CDs. So it's all good. But if they want to come on, they're more than welcome to. There's no, like, blackball of anybody. Is there a blackball? No. There's nobody that's blackballed, I don't think. No, not to my no, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. But anyway, if anybody's got a connection or you know Alexander Arms or you know somebody in the company, tell me want to talk to them. Or if you know how to extort them or blackmail them or otherwise entice them or induce them to come on, give us that information so we can use it. The views of Reed are endorsed by the AR-15 podcast and by JD, just in case you know, we needed a disclaimer. So, 
Um, but yeah, the, the Palmetto state, Chad, uh, the CEO over there, he's got uh, some good things cooking and you know, it's, it's funny that we're going to talk about, well, and we'll talk about this in the interview because there's customer service, there's a bunch of issues, there's miscommunication, there's being stood up and all those things. But I had a good about 45 minute conversation with him a week or two ago. And uh, he really walked me through what's going on and some transition and some change and some, you know, being brought here to run a business and treating it like a business and how big it got and how it exploded and, and some things like that. So he's going to explain some of those things that I think is going to cause you and uh, it caused me to give a little grace uh, to understand like, all right, I get it. They caught lightning in the bottle. They exploded. They got big really quick. Well, that comes with a whole bunch of problems. So they're, they're working on that. And I think Chad's going to offer some more insight into that when we get him on the show here in the next couple of weeks. Well, outstanding. I think with that, it's time for us to roll into a main topic here. So um, I guess at this point, we're going to start talking about some of our listener feedback. Um, we've got some generic feedback. Um, is that in the queue, or are we still going to just focus on our yeah. apocalypse you know feedback? I thought it was going to be like a smorgasbord of feedback, but... Um you guys are awesome, and you uh, you definitely blew up the email box. I think I've got close to 25 of these Apocalypse ones. I think we just need to mow through these, and then uh, we'll get feedback in on the next show or two and, and work it out. So um, I think we just focus on the Apocalypse right now and uh, add some thoughts. All right. Sounds like a plan. Get started. All right. All right. Up first, Scott was in. Of course, everybody entered in to win. I think I said an Otis cleaning kit. Um I'll get you their new product, the solvent stuff, and um, something else from the the MC10 cleaning. So uh, I'll put everybody basically in a hat and draw out a name real quick, and uh, we'll figure that out here at the end of the show. So Scott up first uh, wrote in uh, very early in the morning, said, uh, these are not made up. I currently own or just got rid of all or some of them. First is my custom build, an AR-65 Creedmoor. I'll shoot six-inch groups at 1,000 yards. My 223 AR pistol, 10-inch barrel set up with the SIG, uh, I'm going to assume uh, arm brace on a weapons uh, light custom sling, uh, SIG high-capacity 9mm pistol, and my Mossberg Shockwave 12 gauge. Thank you, <laughs> and have a great day, Scott. You got everything covered. I, the, I think a Creedmoor takes the spot of the AR-10s uh, for me. Um, well, I think that you reach out and touch somebody rifle. But you know what uh, I like? That's your Bob Bell rifle. I, I like the idea that Scott's going to take his AR pistol with the 10-inch barrel because I think at some point he's going to pull that brace off of it and put a real stock on it. Just like I said, the pistols are only so that you can have that SBR when the end of the world comes and you don't have to pay 200 bucks. Well, yeah, okay. But... Owning now not one but two AR pistols now, a C9 and a C5 from New Frontier Armory, um, I'm okay with it. Like the the C9 is very much. I think it's got like a four inch barrel on it. It feels very much like a uh, a Chris Vector when shooting it. Um, and the the C5, as we talked about before, it seems so close to an MP5. I could probably like I don't know. I could do without my MP5. Can't believe I said that out loud. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> and you are a an HK fanboy, so that's saying something. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I'd still stick with my MP5, but I like Scott's choices. Apparently, Sig, a little bit of a Sig guy there too. Um, 
just like you. But the the Mossberg Shockwave, yeah, that's the that's the one that doesn't have to be SBS, right? No tank right. stamp, right? It's a short one. I mean, cool, compact. I wonder how negotiable it'd be in situations, but it seems like a solid list. I like it. Who's our next one? All right. Here we are at the mercy of the load. This one is from Roy. Uh, hey, guys. I love the podcast. I'm a relatively new listener. I found your podcast from a shout-out from Handgun Radio. Thanks to Handgun Radio for that. Uh, also on the Firearms Radio Network. Uh, handgun, a subgun, a shotgun, and a rifle. That sounds familiar. My four would be a 45 ACP hardballer long slide with laser sighting, uh, a 9mm IMI Uzi, the SPAS-12 for Spaz a 12-gauge, SPAS-12, uh, and then a 5.56223 uh, Armalite AR-18. I'm going to say... Have, have you... You haven't even caught on to the reference yet, have you? I have not. All right, read the next line. I hope you already got the reference, but if not, my fifth would be a phase plasma rifle in 40-watt range. Safe shooting, Roy. All right. Anything pop into that thick noggin of yours? No, it's all lost in the beard. Terminator. Oh. Terminator. That was before my time. Like, I wasn't even allowed to go to that, that movie in the theater. That is a classic. It can't be before your time. You're a classic. You're before my time. All right. Well, listen, I think you skipped one. This one. is from Dr. Stormageddon. So uh, we'll call him John. John writes in uh, a Mossberg MVP in 308 or a 20-inch AR chambered in 5.56. He's picked a Remington 870 pre-freedom group with a cut-down barrel. I think any uh, hacksaw to do that after the after the apocalypse comes, right? Yeah. He uh, he put in his CMMG nine uh, millimeter um, pistol caliber carbine because it uses Glock mags, and then he picked a Glock nine millimeter nineteen uh, L or seventeen. So once again, mags interchangeable with his pistol caliber carbine. Let's see. He says if I had to do any replacements, I would swap a twelve gauge for the ten point five inch AR accessories. Oh, for the ten point five inch AR. As for accessories, he said all firearms would have a QD mount for a silencer and lights. Variable optics on the long guns and True Glow. Uh, TFX sights on everything else. It's not a bad selection. What do you think? No, it works. It's definitely insightful and thought put into it. I mean, it's kind of unique to see how everybody's style and taste is put into the list that they would take to with them to fight, you know, the zombie Care Bears. <laughs> I think we'd just be having to fight each other. You do? Oh, come on. When push comes to shove, when the thin veneer of civilization is uh, rubbed off of all of us, it's going to be a dog-eat-dog world out there. Literally. Dang. Thankfully, I like Chinese food. Uh, Moving on. Marcus, up next, uh, if the world were to end for firearms, I would want. Uh, if I keep my family in the area we are right now. Uh, first up, uh, 16-inch AR-15 5.56 with the quick detached suppressor scope um, and offset irons. Um, a SBR AR-15, no more ATF, 300 blackout suppressor, surefire light, vertical grip weapon light, EOTech with magnifier on it. I like that setup of the EOTech with a magnifier on it. kind of makes it... Dual purpose, up close, a little bit more of a distance. Uh, 1911 government in either 45 or 9 millimeter with a suppressor, um, also with a light. 
And then a Remington 870 for the wife because security is a team effort. I think the wife's going to give you the Remington 870 and go with the SBR. <laughs> I think, that, and she's going to take the 1911 too. So you can have the AR-15, the 16 inch, and then the Remington 870 because mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. What do you think? I think it's a good selection. I don't know if we, as we go through these, if there would ever be a bad, like a bad choice. Like I wouldn't have thought of an Uzi, but you know what? Why not? I mean, well, small, only if it's full auto. Small, concealable. You it's, know. A, it's a spray and pray kind of firearm. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes those of us that aren't accurate as Marines need to spray and pray. All you need is covering fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just need to get someone to flank them. Uh, and this is from Jonathan, who uh, joined us on the last uh, show, um, the AR-15 podcast. Uh, he says a 9mm pistol, um, like a 1911, a Glock, an M&P, something out there. Um, that 1911 would would be a, a hard one for him to pass up. Second, AR-556. Um, he would also include his 7mm 22-inch uh, upper to kind of give it a little bit more diversity. Uh, MP5, same caliber as my pistol. And here is his curveball. Uh, instead of a fourth firearm, he would include a compound bow. Uh, his logic, you can barely hear it uh, unless you're within three or four feet. In practice at 100 yards with it, you can hit an eight-inch eight group at 100 yards in the chest all day long. Reusable ammo, lightweight arrows will be left when people raid. I can hunt, and plus if I need to defend myself without question, a boarhead will believe will go through anything and under you know gosh have you seen some of those boar heads on the broadhead. crossbow some of the broadhead some of the ones i have is just eeh, eeh, like wicked uh he says even a bad even a bad shot will take a team of surgeons to fix you before you bleed out rapidly um on top of his seven millimeter he'd have one of those uh, vortex viper scopes uh spark two uh on his five five six he won his uh, Sandman suppressor on his 5.56 and the 7mm uh, cam for his pistol as well. He's also added uh, plate carriers uh, to have armor, uh, six mags. He went pretty detailed. Uh, six AR mags, four pistol mags, and you can add a four mag pouch for the MP5 without a problem. Uh, man, Jonathan, you got deep into this, dude. Still on the fence about a pistol subcaliber. It might be 9mm. Ungodly common, likely where I would go. Yeah, dude, he he, just as thorough as he was on the uh, loose round show yep, that we yep. had him on. Uh, he he definitely was as thorough as this. I I like the curveball, the compound bow. Um, I have a crossbow that um, the whole family likes to shoot. The girls like to shoot it because it doesn't have any recoil and doesn't make a loud loud noise or anything, and they think it's pretty cool. So, well, you know, it's kind of a nice curveball. Another listener went with a bow as a choice but pointed out something that I think is pretty important. Um, when he was thinking about the bow, he went more low-tech simply because you could manufacture your own arrows, you know, field expedient arrows. So the idea of using a crossbow that might split wooden arrows, because I think most of the ones I've seen are using, um, what, polymer and uh, aluminum Constructed uh, arrow, uh, the arrow parts. I don't know all the nomenclature for arrows, but um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. But you might have to dial it back a few centuries in terms of technology, so you could make sure you could put together field expedient solutions like the wooden arrows. 
Makes sense. Up next is Jason. Uh, Jason wrote in, here's my pick for the four uh, weapons. He also called us gentlemen. So he moves to the top of the list. Uh, Ruger 1022, plenty of ammo to scavenge, lightweight, plenty of accessories. Ammo is light. Um, AR-15, they just work. Plenty of ammo to scavenge, lightweight, uh, accessories, ammo everywhere. Uh, Mossberg 500, 12-gauge, pretty common. Uh, Glock 19, it's a Glock. 9mm ammo should be readily available in the beginning. I like it. Uh, the Glock 19 doesn't fit my hand all that well, but everything... I mean, we talked about the 22, uh, how it would be used for almost anything. So, I mean, pretty solid list. What do you think, Reed? I think so. I do find it interesting that we are all very heavily biased to the AR-15. Well, it is the AR-15 podcast. So I guess uh, uh, we're all preaching to the choir then, huh? Pretty pretty much. Here's the uh, here's the thing. Like each one of these, it's like it's kind of like a test where nobody's wrong. I mean, each one's each one's working this out and uh, has pretty logical things. Uh, this is Andy up next. Hey guys, here's my loadout for the apocalypse. Two MK18 clones uh, for me and the wife. I'm five five six or two two three wild. Uh, semi-auto to conserve ammo with a Vortex scope because of their great warranty. Uh, Victor's tactical two-point sling. Also, 22 conversion kit solves the idea of stockpiled scavenging rimfire ammo without having to add a gun. Uh, Glock 17 Gen 3, uh, multitude of cheap part internal parts due to the poly 80 craze. Threaded barrel, three-dot suppressor, three-dot suppressor height sights. Um, easy to break apart, less parts, less to break, easy to clean. Uh, versus the suppressor you can take apart with that Glock 17. Uh, 12 gauge old school pre freedom group Remington 870 for hunting in close quarters. Super useful. Use slugs for deer, bird shot for birds, buckshot for defense. PS warranty was a joke if you didn't catch that, but I think Vortex would actually honor their warranty in the apocalypse. They're that good. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy, we stand behind in. our warranty. Even <laughs> in no the world is burning down, but uh, here's what we're going to do. Um, coming up next, Steven wrote in. I like your uh, email address, Mr. Funkmaster. Um, his Rock River AR-15 uh, pistol close quarters combat gun would be a 10.5-inch AR pistol with the Trigicon uh, MRO on top. Sidearm, I like it. HKP-30L, 9mm. Um, I love that gun. And then uh, long-range Winchester Model 70 and 308 with a 26-inch heavy-barreled the Leopold Mark IV on top of it. Thanks for putting on such a great podcast. Steve, thanks for... Uh, Dropping your knowledge on us here with the what you got uh, on the loadout for the apocalypse. It's e- it's interesting to see how different people jump between different brands or what what they like on their rifles. It uh, it really kind of pulls back the curtain of who's listening to see like if I'm going to talk crap about Leopold, Stephen's going to be a little ticked. Although if I talk about HK, Stephen's probably going to be pretty happy. Are you there? I am. Am I talking to the abyss? No, no, no. I was reading our next. Do you, do you, yeah, you're going to take Robert. Oh, okay. All right. So, dear Reed and the redheaded stepchild, that was a great podcast. <laughs> Some of the post zombie apocalypse discussion was better than a lot of the prepper podcast I've listened to. All right. So, uh, if JD is looking for another platform to post links, what about full30.com? Have you looked at full30.com? I haven't looked at Full 30. I know there's a lot of talk about that. All right, so here are uh, Robert's picks. 
So for a pistol, he likes the FNX 45, uh, 15 round magazine, 45 ACP. He says that he knows 9mm may be more common, but Federal, HST, Spear, Gold Dot, and the other defensive ammo may be very scarce, while Full Metal Jacket 45 ACP can still do the job. Um, you know, I guess that is a point. When you really kind of think about it, everybody's chief complaint about the 9mm has always been that in the absence of some of the more advanced ammunition technologies, it was uh, not a satisfactory round when it came down to it. So I guess that is a good point. If you've chewed up all of the really exciting stuff and now you're shooting 9mm ball ammo, are you going to stick with a 9mm if it's not performing the way you want it to? Hmm, I think that's a good point. All right, so let's see. For most uses, a custom AR-15 with a Palmetto State Armory upper chambered in 223 Wild. Um, he likes the Burst Timberwolf and Romeo 4C red dot scopes, um, backup irons. He's listed a number of M-Lock accessories, Geisley Trigger. Let's see says he knows the AK-47 is the ultimate in reliability, but the 762 by 39 has crappy ballistics, crappy ammo choice and availability, and the AR-15 is just more common. I think that's a good point. Let's see. For larger animal hunting and sniper activities, he says a Montana Rifle Company Extreme X3 chambered in 30-06. You know, I think the 30-06 is just one of those kind of foundational hunting rifle calibers that you probably can't go too wrong with. Let's see, for bird hunting, an anticipated short-range compact, a Remington 870 12-gauge shotgun chambered to accept 3.5-inch shotgun shells is the way to go. He says as much fun as his Benelli Super Black Eagle is, I don't consider semi-auto as reliable. You know, I've got a Benelli Nova that'll take 3.5-inch shells, and so... That's a damn fine shotgun. I mean, I know it's a little, I mean, it's on the cheaper end of the price range, but things never let me down. All right, what does he say? Others worth considering a Wilson Combat Super Sniper chambered in 308, perhaps a Scar 17. And then he has some final thoughts on rebuilding after the apocalypse. He says the blue collar professions will be a lot more valuable at first. The electrician, the construction contractor, plumber, auto mechanic, etc. Electrical engineers and scientists will be important years later when daily life starts to resemble pre-apocalypse life. People can get by without academics like me for quite a while. I don't think you'll be able to make your own gunpowder without the services of a chemist for quite some time. Well, that is true. I I do think you need a chemist, but I think certainly in terms of uh, the progression of technologies through history, uh, we obviously had chemists long before we had uh, computer scientists or electrical engineers, and so they were making gunpowder for the the armies of the world in the late 1700s, early 1800s that would be more than enough to propel the ballistics we'd want to field after the apocalypse. And I think that in terms of getting back to that level of uh, understanding on a chemical basis, we're probably going to be far easier. It's going to be far easier to get there than it would be to go from, you know, D-Day plus one after the apocalypse and have someone out there getting all of the automated factories back up and running. All right. So let's see. Let's move on here. Um, 
I got Chad. All right. Uh, Chad wrote in um, his four, the SIG 556 piston-driven great iron sights, uh, Glock 19, parts and mags everywhere. A Mossberg 590A1, I own it. Side saddle plus speed feedstock has 18 or 19 rounds on the gun. It's not a bad uh, loadout for a shotgun. A Marlin 795, 22 long rifle, super accurate with detachable mags. Not a bad, uh, not a bad loadout. And you know, honestly, that's not a very expensive loadout when you think about it. No, not altogether that expensive. You know, I think honestly, if you if you if you walked into a store with enough knowledge to know that you know it was going to hit the fan soon. I mean, you could easily throw this on a credit card and be out and on your way in no time. Mm-hmm. You might have a hard time without stocking up on ammo, though. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, up next, Matt wrote in and just has two picks. His Hudson H9, a Springfield Saint, and a crap ton of ammo. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, Matt. We appreciate it. Um, up next, Paul wrote in. Uh, so looking at uh, what I would like for the four firearms for the apocalypse, some of the criteria I would say are key. Ammo being ammo supply being tops, replacement parts second, probability third, and honorable mention for gray man or at least concealability. Portability, re- not portability. probability. Portability is third. Do you want to be an English teacher or do you want to do a show? I just I'm want you to Oregon. speak the Queen's English. I, I've done grown up. Where like I can shoot out of a moving truck while not spilling my beer and not like missing my spitter. Okay, I am a hillbilly redneck with a big beard. If I'm reading fast, I'm sorry. Um, first on this list would be a Ruger 1022. This all uh, this meets all my criteria. Ammo and parts would be plentiful. It's light, easy to handle. The Gray Man would factor in heavily with a takedown version or even the Charger 22. Second would be the tried and true Remington 870 Wingmaster. The Wingmaster has some of the better grade components as it is, and it'll be a better starting point. Lots of spare parts and ammo for a year to come. A nice non-aggressive look, which will not stand out if somebody is sizing you up. So many applications due to wide selection of ammo, slugs to birdshot to make it the perfect pick, perfect pick if you could only choose one. Uh, the Breda 92 or similar variation, 9mm ammo galore, a uh, pro- prolific firearm that is used by so many people, military agencies, concealable, durable, and reliable. The fourth pick is a tough gun to pick. I'd want something large, larger for more of a long-range hunting Remington 700 and 308. Factory rifle sights would fit this need. Uh, top it off with a four-power scope to reduce the additional failure point, uh, to reduce an additional failure point. Uh, keep up the great work on the podcast. Appreciate all the discussion that takes place. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, Paul. You got next? Oh, I think you're doing great. You go ahead and go. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, Tony wrote in, my picks are an AR-15 and 5.56. I'm going to kill this. Do you have this one up in front of you? Yep. It's a Tika. Tika T3 compact tactical rifle in 308, a SIG P226, an MK25 with a threaded barrel 9mm, Remington 870 pump 3 mag wing master 12 gauge, uh, silencers for the SIG and the AR-15 with weapon lights both attached to both. A Trigicon VCOG, uh, Vortex Razor Gen 2, sling for the long guns. Uh, Reed, from what I can tell, listening for a while now, we are the same age and military generation. I am prior Army 85 to 89. Keep sharing your knowledge and experience. However, I believe a weapons light is a must. 
It's a very good tool to use while conducting operations at night in many different applications. I'm not a proponent of moving with it on, and I'm well aware it will die at some point, but it will be nice while it lasts. Then I can evaluate the ability to obtain new batteries or 86, the light, at this time, but at least start with one. Gents, on a side note, I've been listening for two years and enjoy the show very much. It's renewed my interest in ARs and brought me up to date with all the new advancements since my use of it in the Army. What a difference from the A1. Thanks for all the knowledge you both share with us. And J.D., the guy with the most toys wins. Hopefully, professionally, things work out for you soon. Best regards, Tony in St. Louis. Thanks, Tony. Reed, you got somebody who disagrees with the light. Well, you know, I understand. I'm, I'm just talking about long term. You have to let go of modern technology. Uh, looking at the next one, Steve. Uh, Steve, one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, love the show, guys. Uh, to answer this week's questions regarding the top four guns I pack along, uh, since I only have four guns, I take my new Springfield Saint AR-15, uh, my entire stock of uh, 223 with the optic on top. Uh, then I, I'd carry my two Smith & Wesson MP 9mm Performance Thunder Shield and Core. And last but not least, I'd carry my late grandpa's 3030, has perfect aim and takedown capability. Um, but that's it because that's all I have. Honestly, that's pretty much all you need. Uh, but if the apocalypse comes this time next year, I'm hoping to have a couple more additions to my collection. Uh, keep up the great work. Steve kept it like in-house. He's like, if this happens today, this is what I can go grab. There you go. Steve's not grabbing Steve's not grabbing a plasma rifle. <laughs> well, here, let me pick up with Nicholas. So Nicholas says, uh, I've made the following choices based on the fact that I would have purchased these firearms prior to the apocalyptic event. I understand that this is a hypothetical situation, and some may choose firearms well out of their personal price range. I felt that this needed to be realistic as well, so I stuck with what I either have or can't afford. So he starts with an AR-15. Uh, it's versatile and it's modular. Uh, he likes the 5.56. Uh, says NATO rounds and Stanek magazines are abundant. And this is with iron sights, a weapon-mounted light, and a suppressor. He goes next to a Glock 19, popularity and availability of the 9mm NATO round, bunch of threaded barrel, and uh, it points out that there are a lot of uh, guns and a lot of magazines that are Glocks. So his next choice is uh, Mossberg in the 500 series, 12 gauge, pump, 18 inch barrel. He says he believes you can run 7 plus 1 with the extended mag tube that does not go beyond the muzzle. Wide variety of loadings in the 12 gauge. And he says it's very versatile. Hunting, self-defense, uh, slugs for deer. Let's see, lastly, he's elected to go with something in the, like Remington 700 and 308. Uh, he likes the round for stopping powder, power and uh, suits his hunting needs. And uh, let's see, this is the one farm that I would prefer to have a uh, glass optic on. He likes the Vortex Viper 4-16. He says, keep up the good work. On the show, best regards, Nick. Uh, up next is Brandon. Uh, Brandon said, uh, thanks for the show. The podcast is my go-to show. Any chance I get to listen. Uh, up first, an AR-10-308, nice range scope with 45-degree backup irons. Got to keep it salty uh, and a bipod. I think that was a, we need to change. We need to get a pair of custom iron sights that are actually laser engraved with salty on them. Uh, number two, a Ruger 1022 takedown for ease of carry. Hopefully, the stainless steel bar barrel holds up to the elements. 
Number three, Remington 870 Marine for uh, all-around use. Marine, uh, man, I am blanking on that word. All-around use to hold up to the elements. Uh, Remington XDM, XDS 9mm, stainless bitone, simply to go along with the colors to the other firearms. Uh, feel free to drop my name in the hat for the giveaway. We will absolutely do that. You see, Brandon's the first one that uh, mentioned elements. Mm-hmm. The standing up to, and from some of the stuff he's mentioning, I wonder if Brandon lives by the ocean. Yeah, he might. Is that, does that, uh, does that, I, I wonder if he's worried about corrosion and, and salt and, and that stuff in his firearms. Well, here's another one. This was from Bryce. He makes it a pretty simple list, but he does have a point that he made here on the last one. His four guns would be the AR-15, a Walter PPQ, and a Benelli M4. You know, you see, the Benelli M4 is just a nice shotgun. Um, he says, I was going to originally say Ruger 10-22 for his fourth one. He says, who doesn't have 22 long rifle in their survival kit? But after listening to this episode, however, and considering the role of the weapon and scenario that Reed presented of having to source ammo... I'm going to go a bit off the rails and say an RWS Model 34 22 caliber air rifle. So it's not exactly a firearm. The RWS and many other good air rifles can still send a 30 plus grain pellet downrange at 1,000 feet per second and is more than capable of taking down small game. Add a pellet mold to your kit and any lead you can get your hands on and you can turn it into more ammo. No powder, no primers, no brass, and no reloading setup needed. He says, that's it for my list. Keep up the good work on the podcast. And I think that's an interesting point, kind of in in keeping with the idea of a bow. You've got something with, what would they call it now if you were millennial? Sustainably harvested ammunition. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All hate mail can be directed to read. Uh, AR15podcast.com. I think the next one is John. Why don't you take that one? Uh, I actually have Adrian up next. I think Adrian? We're a little out of sync, yeah. Well, wait a minute. What about John and Patrick and Spencer? Uh, I believe you just... I don't have John, Patrick, and Spencer. I only have what you sent me. Oh, I sent these to you. Trust me. <laughs> Adrian's up next. Uh, he has... Uh, Here's my list. And yes, the apocalypse is upon us. Reed is mistaken. Uh, Griffin Optimus uh, multi-caliber suppressor for the AR and the 9mm fits three of the four. Uh, AR-15 SBR 10-inch or 10.5-inch with a Vortex Spitfire. Um, also, Pulse pulse Vision Thermal. Wow, uh, that's the first time thermals come up uh, in this. Um, versatile weapon, reliable, easy to repair, common round, Glock 19, threaded, best, threaded barrel with suppressor sights, a Trigicon RMR, uh, Benelli M4, semi-auto, uh, good for door takedown, small game shooting, intimidating, common round. A Ruger Mark IV 22 long rifle for close encounters when you need to be absolutely silent. And he adds plus ammo, ammo, and more ammo. So that was Spencer, right? That was Adrian. That was Adrian. Okay, well, let's go back. John wanted to join the giveaway, but Patrick had an addition. He says, I'd like to start out saying that I love uh, the show. I'm new to the AR world. I just bought my first 80% lower and starting to my first build for my first AR. Your show has given me an amazing amount of knowledge. Keep up the great work. His four firearms are straightforward with uh, no fanfare. He starts off with a Ruger 1022, Remington 870, a Glock 9mm, and an AR and 556. 
So I think that's always a good approach. Let's see. Spencer wrote in, My four guns for a random apocalypse are ones I already have. A rifle would be my AR-15 with a pinned-on suppressor. Shotgun would be his Benelli Supernova 12-gauge pump. Um, his pistol would be his FN-509 Tactical along with a 9mm suppressor. And his backup would be a Ruger LCR 9mm and an ankle holster. But here's some commentary that I, I kind of caught, caught on to that I like from Spencer. He says, by the way, Reed is right. Now he says, the worst devastation we've seen in modern times was Europe and Japan after World War II. And it took at least two generations of the largest industrial power on Earth to rebuild them. In a true global apocalypse, there wouldn't be an industrial giant like the U.S. to rebuild the rest of the world. Every country would be starting over from roughly... 1800s levels of technology. The current crop of engineers would all be dead and buried by the time their current skills would be relevant again. Even with books to help, there simply wouldn't be enough people with the free time to build a technological society. The majority of people left would be simply trying to not to starve or die violently. And without centralized communications, there would be no way to coordinate the skills of the survivors across the nation. Depending on what happened, I think a global catastrophe would take at least 100 years to recover from, and maybe more. He says, Spencer and Smyrna. You know, he points out something that really is kind of uh, uh, brings up a recollection from uh, some old college course I took. You know, the idea that we've grown to this degree of technological sophistication is based on the idea of specialization. You know, when you have hunter-gatherers, everybody's hunting or everybody's gathering. By the time you have the agrarian societies and animal husbandry, you have people that can stay home and do things like, you know, create pots or, you know, chip arrowheads or whatever specialized skills. People create skills. pot today, too. Oh, hush up. People create pot today, too. The point is... <laughs> As you become more sophisticated and more specialized, you can begin to fracture the workforce into very distinct and specialized groups. If you have to take a big step back, like he points out, you're going to be more concerned about making sure you don't starve than you are trying to, you know, rebuild some electronic doohickey out of components that may or may not work or be fried. So I like his approach. Thank you, Spencer. Uh, I just find it funny that Spencer spells his name R-E-E-D. No, it's S-P-E-N-C-E-R. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I think somebody ghost wrote that. Uh, Kevin wrote in four for the end of the world, a Ruger 1022, small game hunting, scroll and rabbits, AR-15, common use in America, parts and ammunition should be available through uh, scrounging and trade. Uh, the Mossberg 590A1 multipurpose can fill the role of self-defense, small and large game hunting with shot or slugs. Uh, the SIG P226 MK25 9mm uh, can be used in uh, any 9mm handgun, or 9mm can be. Uh, three to 5,000 rounds of 22, 5.56, 9mm mix of hollow point and ball. Uh, one to 2,000 rounds of 12 gauge mix of buckshot, birdshot, and slugs. Uh, Streamlight HLX, uh, rechargeable CR123 with rechargeable CR123s, along with a portable solar charger. Uh, primary arms Cyclops, primary arms uh, 3 to 18 variable power scope. Uh, pretty detailed list. That's a lot of ammo to carry around, too, in the end of the world. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not going to be carrying that on a bicycle. I bet it's on a trike or a Dukes of Hazard big wheel. There you go. 
I don't. I I say that not in jest because I actually did have a Dukes of Hazard big wheel, and I wish I still had it. Not that you could ride it. No, not that I could ride it. Um, well, wait a minute. Next. Before you move on, you skipped over Matthew G. I'm not skipping over. I'm going in order. Well, I'm I'm looking at how they came in to me and how I forwarded them to you. Do you got Matthew G next? I, I don't have Matthew G next. I have I have two left. I have. All right, hold on. Let me go with Matthew Kevin. G because he preceded Kevin. She okay. says, "I love listening to this podcast. I have learned a lot. The four firearms for the apocalypse: AR-10 and 7.62, AR-15 and 5.56, Remington 870 12 gauge, and a Smith and Wesson model 629 Performance Center Hunter and 44 Magnum." See, he likes the AR-10 for hunting and long-range self-defense. Uh, he likes AR-15 for small game, self-defense, and daily protective carry. The 870, self-defense, bird hunting, and having an 18-inch slug barrel on it, but also the 24-inch bird barrel. Uh, the 629 would be for self-defense hunting, having a 6-inch barrel. Um, the accessories on these would be upgraded trigger scope, silencers, red dot, and on his pistol he'd want a red dot. So he says, I chose the uh, common ammo in three of the guns I would like to have, 7.62 or 308. I can get ammo from the 30 caliber machine guns if needed. Uh, the 5.56 or 2.23 is very common. Uh, that with the right bullets can be used for multiple purposes. 12 gauge, extremely common. And if needed, I can get the barrel plugs to use 20 gauge or 410. For the 44 Magnum, the ammo is very common, but it can shoot other types of ammo if needed. Also, the brass ammo can easily be reloaded, and there is a plethora of bullet choices for them. If needed, you can always grind, shave down a 45 bullet, 452 down to 44 size, uh, .429, or use a 30 caliber bullet and wad it up to 429. So it says, in all reality, one of the things I would want to have is a good recurve longbow. With a recurve or a longbow, you can use modern archery supplies, but when they run out of those you can make your own arrows and they will still work. A compound bow will not shoot wooden arrows. JD, why don't you take the next one? Uh, I got Jeffrey as my uh, last one up here. Uh, he's got an AR 15 with a 1 to 8 power scope, silencer, and light, 1022 with a red dot and suppressor, hey, babe, uh, 12 gauge pump, Mossberg 500, a GP 100 and 357 podcast? mag with laser grip lever gun yeah. in uh, 357 mag. Uh, here's where I like it. Reed's yeah. mostly just being salty with his timeline based on the false belief well, that do? the system goes down, that the whole infrastructure has to be replaced. Uh-uh. This is incorrect given that the parts right, that well, needed to be replaced call when I'm done would be the computers running the system and transformer and very little cabling. If any, it would be damaged during an EMP. Reed's other argument about engineers and loss of information is largely invalid for three major reasons. Maybe Jeffrey spells his name J.D., uh, one, most of these professionals have their own books and refer- for reference purposes. Two, due to one, we could quickly and easily move over to an apprenticeship model of education. Number three, people who do the actual work aren't engineers but skilled labor, which is already an apprenticeship model. So you only need one or two professionals per region. Thanks, Jeffrey. Oh, I can still I can poke holes in that all day long. I can poke holes in that all day long. You're right. He's salty. That's the last one I've got, Reed. Well, I think with that, we are all set. So, okay, so, so a couple things before we get out. If You've made it to the end of this episode, so next week's question is this. Who should we have on the show? I want 
realistic suggestions of topics and who we should have. We ask on Facebook, but we get a very small like listener sample there. But I want it here. Uh, I want to know what you guys want to hear, who you guys want us to talk to, what topics you want us to cover, um, who you want us to invite on the show. Um, let us know because uh, we we do the show for fun, but we want to do it to be entertaining for you too. So tell us your show topic, your guest idea, anything. Um, it doesn't matter how crazy you'd be surprised. Some of the stuff we come up with, uh, AR 15 dot podcast at gmail.com AR 15 dot podcast at gmail.com. And we'll go ahead and do the Otis, uh, technology, um, cleaning kit. Um, I have a f- couple five, five, six ones. Um, I'll throw out if we can get, uh, some feedback on that. I'll uh, award a couple of those to a couple of listeners. So who do you want us to have on the show? What topics would you like to cover? And uh, feedback on the show, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Otis Technology for being a sponsor of the AR15 podcast. And also want to say thank you to Alex over at ammo.com for joining us as a show sponsor. You can save $20 on your next order of $200 or more when you use our special link, which is ammo.com slash, that's forward slash, AR15 podcast, ammo.com forward slash AR15 podcast, and you can save $20 on your next order of $200 or more. It's lunchtime. I'm, I'm ready to eat, Reed. Well, I can see that. Why don't you read us out, and we'll just close down the show today. All right. Any questions, comments, you can uh, send them ar15.podcast at gmail.com or visit our website, ar-15podcast.com. That's ar-15podcast.com. You can support the show through Patreon, through PayPal. You can also sign up for that C5 pistol giveaway from New Frontier Armory. It is all up and live right now at ar-15podcast.com. Subscribe and listen to the show for free on iTunes or on Stitcher. Leave us a review so the show can place higher for potential listeners. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at ar15podcast. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ar15podcast. All right, folks. You have yourselves a good rest of the week, and we will talk to you soon. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.